A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Paul. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Week five is here. Several top twenty-five matchups all around the uh, all around college football, as well as plenty of um, a couple of games featuring top twenty-five teams that should be interesting for the weekend as well. Roberto. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. Um, I am just, I, I think I'm just ready for this weekend. Uh, like all weekends, like I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, I think this is a big, I think this is kind of like a big fake ID week. This, this is really going to be some games of like, okay, you, you got to prove it to a degree here. Um, I think some I think some season expectations could be shortened already in the, this last week uh, or the, this weekend. Um, but overall, man, I, I think I think this is going to be a really awesome weekend that maybe maybe some people aren't ready for. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. So before we get started, uh Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are dating. So how do you feel about that before we move to our college football since that's what everybody in the sporting world is discussing? Let me let me be 100%. We feel like we have to weigh in as well. No, let me be 100% clear. I do, I do not give a crap at all <laughs> who is dating who. I I think it is for whatever reason I find it hysterical. I'm all in. By all means, go right ahead. And I'm I'm like you for the most part. I don't care. It but it's there. It's out in front. Everybody knows about it. Whatever. But um, I think it's hysterical. I don't know why exactly. The two biggest, two of the biggest things in the entertainment world are coming together, and something about that is just funny to me. I don't know why. Yeah, I I mean, I whatever brings more eyes to football, I guess. Um. That's yeah. kind of the funny thing is like there's a bunch of people who maybe aren't football people who are now going to be football people. And it's a bunch of ladies for the most part. And they're all now kind of the jokes are here are all these Taylor Swift fans, Swifties, I guess, as they call them, as as they are entering the football world, sort of trying to figure out, OK, ladies, you know, it's 10 yards to a first down and. You know, you get four tries and all these different things. And for whatever reason, I'm just – I'm having a ball with it. I think it's hysterical. No, I – yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't care. I, I'm glad I'm glad you're finding humor in it. I just I just don't It care. is what it is. I, yeah, I, I, it is. I totally yeah. understand. So we have several top 25 matchups for the weekend. Number 10, Utah, uh, at number 19, Oregon State. Would you like to start there? Or SEC matchup, LSU, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Duke, Kansas, Texas. Yeah, let's go ahead and start with Utah, man. Um, let's go ahead and start with this this fake ID game. So it feels like this is last week felt very much like, well, where's Cam Rising? Yep. And if they don't have Cam Rising, this feels very much a game that Utah's going to lose. This is this is the deadline. You have to have him back yep. now. Yep. And they didn't, and they still won. So my first question to you, Roberto, is 
can Utah's in you know impressive defense do to DJU, an inexperienced quarterback, what they did to Dante Moore, an inexperienced quarterback, last week? Do you think they can? One, can they? Can they do it twice in a row? But can they do it again? Can they shut down this Oregon offense the way that they shut down UCLA? No. Um, few reasons why. Uh, one is what you just mentioned. You've got a seasoned vet against a freshman, or uh, as opposed to a freshman. It's at Corvallis. Um, it's not at Utah. Um, also, one of the big reasons why, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the big reasons why uh, Utah was able to beat UCLA is because they were able to make, except for the fourth quarter, they were able to make um, uh, Dante Moore, like they were not able to produce anything offensively. I just don't think that's going to be the case here with Oregon State. Yes, they're going to want to run the ball, but I think I, I do think they're going to have some pass plays scripted up. I, th- I just think he's a good passer. Uh, DJ, I think DJ's a good passer. He can make the plays whenever he needs to. Also, in this situation, uh, again, I, I think just being on the road for Utah, here's where – Here's where it happens. This is the fake ID game, but but again, I don't think it's a fair one. I am calling it that because of what's going to happen for Utah. Like, I think they lose this game. I think the the run without Cam Rising has just kind of hit its end, um, and that's because you are now playing these actual top tier teams in your conference. Um, UCLA, you know, we thought they were really good, but they really hadn't played anybody, you know. Um, and you know, we were sold on Dante Moore, but I really do think Oregon state is a legit team. Oregon state lost to lost last week to Washington state because Cam Ward was dicing them up and throwing all over them. I don't believe that Utah can do that at all. So I will, I will take Oregon state. I think Martinez and, um, and DJU are about to have a really big game. Uh, so, game. yeah, the other thing I'm looking at for Oregon State, too, I feel like the running game should be more dynamic. Mm. DJ, yep. you can take off and I think should know how to do that. He does have five rushing touchdowns on the season. He's got 17 attempts, 115 yards, 5.5 yards a carry. So I, mean, I think they're not designing a lot for him, but they if he needs to take off, I feel like he's able to do that. But Martinez and Fenwick, Damian and Deshaun, are doing a really good job. 7.4 yards a carry and 6.8 yards a carry. It's going to be vastly different against Utah. But you feel like if Oregon State were to stick to the ground game and sort of make things, do it over and over again, Utah. I feel like you could be consistent, especially if the Utah defense has to be on the field a lot of the night. Um, that would be the other, excuse me, that would be the other piece to this that would uh, sort of make you concerned a little bit. The other thing, uh, I expect Utah to probably run the football pretty well here. I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't think they'll be running into, I say that, Oregon State should be loading up the box in this one, right? Uh, from a defensive yeah, standpoint, yeah, loading up the box and make whoever the quarterback is very similar to UCLA, make whoever the quarterback is beat you through the air. So yeah, I mean, it's overwhelmingly feels like this is Oregon state's ball game. 
Yeah, no, I I agree. I also, I will say this though, just to if this dream run for uh, Willingham continues, if they get through this game and they win this game, they get a bye week and they play Cal. I do believe that we see Cam rising after the bye week. I you, will say I will say this. What though. if we see him? Okay, go ahead. If we don't see him by Cal. I don't know if we see him at all. That's kind of how yeah. I feel right now. Yeah, it just feels too. I mean, at that point, yeah, I, I I can see where you're coming from. What if he does play in this game? Um, is he ready to to do yeah, I, to Oregon State's defense what Cam Ward did? I mean, is he is he ready to do their version of that? Or I don't no. think so. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. Do we know what the injury is? Uh, it's, he's coming off ACL, uh, ACL, surgery. ACL. Yeah. So he's, so, I mean, he could very well, I'm trying to think of this, if, if what his practice would look like if he's, you know, 80% and they're still waiting on him to get better. What's his practices look like? But I guess on an ACL, you're, you're probably still not practicing if you're not ready to play, I, I guess. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of what he's, what rust he's knocking off during the week, during these last few weeks, if at all. Um, yeah. So I, I think Oregon State is, seems to be the pick here for, for the sake of it, because Utah did it last week and running the football and maybe they shut down DJU again. Give me Utah. I'll pick Utah. Okay. Okay. I don't I don't love it necessarily, but I'll pick Utah here. Yeah. Okay. So sticking in the top twenty-five, that is most of our matchups, we'll go to the Southeastern Conference. Ole Miss took one on the chin pretty bad this weekend after a very disappointing performance there against Alabama, not being able to take care of some opportunities, take advantage of some opportunities. They, you know, they've pride themselves on throwing the football, but Jackson Dart maybe doesn't seem quite so explosive through the air. Maybe some of that has to do with the weapons that they have. Whatever it is, LSU has top ten potential. The way that they they can play at times, especially this weekend against Arkansas on offense, it feels like Ole Miss is going to have to be in a track meet here to 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 top LSU. And I mean, at least it's at least it's Lane Kiffin, that's going to be in that track meet, and this offense versus those defensive backs for LSU. How do you feel about uh, the number thirteen Tigers going into uh, Oxford, Mississippi? I think <clears throat> I think that their leading receiver only has one touchdown this year. Ole Miss, yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm not saying that. However. They're 13th in the country in passing yards, but 79th in rushing yards. Um, yeah, they've not been able to get that going at all. It's been yeah, the shock and, of the season. And Spencer, here is the teams they've played. Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech, and obviously Alabama. Like, even with the Alabama game taking all the board, like, they haven't been able to run the ball. And as I passionately talked about last week or last episode, I don't believe in Jackson Dart. I, I just don't. Um, 
And I, I, I mean, it's not like LSU has been LSU. LSU has just kind of like sprinkled some doubt throughout the season. You know, um, yes, there's obviously the FSU game, but like they just they're at times like they've looked, you know, they looked elite in that Mississippi State game, and then they struggled, you know, then they struggled the next. That they just have not been. You know, it's a tale of every freaking team this year. They have just not been consistent in the excuse me in their dominance. I mean, the the thing that is weird to me is again we don't we don't pick by point spread, but the fact that it's only a three and a half point difference. LSU is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Ole Miss. I I just think with Ole Miss still missing, and, and I mean, are they getting everyone back? Um, actually, it's two and a half. Uh, two they're two and a half point favorite. If if Ole Miss gets everybody back, in, you know, as far as their wide receivers, um, wait. So Ole Miss tight end off team after three games. So they lost. Ole Miss lost a tight end already. Um, Spencer, I just, I just don't, I don't, I just don't think I'm a fan of Ole Miss's team this year. But I'm also not super high on LSU. But if you tell me who who am I going to pick, the defensive front, the defensive front for LSU or Jackson Dart, I'm going to take the defensive front for LSU. If you're going to ask me who am I going to take, either the DBs of Ole Miss, who kind of got thrown on at times by Jalen Milrow or Jaden Daniels, I'm going to take Jaden Daniels. So, and but also here, here's the other part of this. Just like we were talking about with Bama a couple weeks ago, and with Clemson last week, like Ole Miss, Ole Miss, their their pursuit of the SEC championship could end with this loss if they if they lose this weekend. So it is backs against the wall. I don't like them, but give give me Ole Miss to upset LSU. What? Even though, even though every freaking thing, I just passionately gave an argument for why they shouldn't win. I sort of talk, talked yourself into this is where they prove you. This is where they do something different. Yeah. This is where they get something going with Junkins, and this is where yeah. something just snaps Triggers. and takes place. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, th- I mean, just they the, overcompensate for yeah. what they don't have in the back end. And that yep. allows Junkins to get going. Because you're right. Like, LSU's defensive backfield is not great. We've talked about that all year. Um, and, and, and it's a fake ID game, like, for both teams. LSU, you yeah. can't lose this game. LSU, if you lose this game, you are probably not going to make the playoff, regardless of what happens. And you're now, and then you're going to have to beat Alabama to get in the SEC championship, which you're probably going to have to do anyway. And for Ole Miss, like your SEC title hopes are probably going out the window if you lose this game. So, so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take Ole Miss up to up, upset them, but I, I won't. I mean, I'm not ecstatic about it. Yeah, so I'll take LSU here. I think the LSU defense did a good job of saying, you know what, we'll stick to limiting the ground game for Arkansas, and we'll kind of force him, you know, KJ Jefferson to throw the football and beat us that way. And they I would imagine they'll think to themselves, okay, we're maybe we're facing a, a just as good passing offense, but 
we still don't want to give them we want to keep them one-dimensional so we're going to yeah. continue to stop the ground game with Junkins and make sure he doesn't get going at all keep this Ulysses guy from getting going either he's actually at six point one yards a carry I think on the season so he's doing very well Ulysses Bentley so uh six point one yards a carry only averaging about 22 yards per game though so they're not going to him very often either way LSU continues to say we'll stop the ground. Jackson Dart will give them a run for their money. This will probably be another 40 to 40, you know, 38 kind of thing. Uh, but I'll take LSU here because if I remember right, Tulane had some pretty good success with their backup quarterback throwing against this LSU or this Ole Miss defense. So I think uh, the the stout wide receiver crew, Jaden Daniels, will continue to play really well. Uh, LSU will win this one, but... I'm expecting another shootout as LSU might be in that position a lot this season. Okay. I'm here for it. Where are we going next? Number 11, Notre Dame at number 17, Duke. This is interesting. Who would have pegged this at the beginning of the year as as not only a top 25 matchup, but a top 20 matchup uh, between these two teams? Notre Dame's obviously going to be in a a pretty ticked-off situation here. And you got to think, this is... The Duke of old would be a nice place to tee off and and get into a, you know, we're we're just going to take all of our anger out. But this isn't your grandmother's Duke here. No, it's not. Um, It's a, it's a, it's a, excuse me, it's a Duke team that plays incredibly sound football. Um, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They uh, play play with a, a high level of intensity, um, and they're led by a very dynamic and very awesome playmaker in Riley Leonard um, at quarterback. And they're going on the road. Notre Dame's going on the road at Duke um, after a heartbreaking loss to, to, you know, Ohio State this past weekend, I think it's a night game. Yeah, it's a night game, too. Um, Notre Dame's a six-point six favorite in Durham. Like, it, this goes back to the, you know, the fake ID theme of the weekend. If Notre Dame is as good as we think they are, they're as well-coached as we think they are, even though we thrashed them last week for their mistakes at the coaching position. They win this game. They go in and win this game because outside outside of outside of some a couple like one or two playmakers on the outside and Riley Leonard, Duke doesn't really have anything on their roster that should like should threaten, you know, should threaten Notre Dame that their defense is good but it's not great. Sam Hartman should have a really good game. Um, S, uh, Estime should, should be able to, you know, pound and pound and pound in the fourth quarter, take control. But Spencer, like I'm, I'm going to take Notre Dame with this game, but I'm, I'm very nervous for the letdown spot after an emotional loss last weekend. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned Duke, not, yes, I agree. Especially if Duke's defense is able to step up and give them fits. Like if if Notre Dame were to come in and ready to blow off steam, and it and they just sort of 
I don't know what that is. They underestimate what Duke's going to be. Then you end up going out, getting stonewalled on that first or so possession, and then you find yourself frustrated the rest of the game thinking, well, why can't we do anything here? Because maybe you underestimated. Now, this, again, isn't a Duke team that anybody should be underestimating. If you and I are acknowledging this, then you got to believe Marcus Freeman and his staff are acknowledging this as well. The other caveat, or the one caveat to that that I would think, Sam Hartman's got to have some some Duke insight, at least to some of the personnel that's there, at the very least. Played Mike Elko a little bit last year, so he should have some one-on-one, or at least he should have some sort of experience against them. I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say if I don't know if he, he played Duke last year or not at Wake Forest, but either way, you feel like this should be an opportunity for Sam Hartman, who's familiar with Duke, played against them before, familiar with their caliber of uh, of player, that they're able to get there. So I like Notre Dame to win this ball game. I think they'll come in focused and ready to go because they'll know that focused and ready to go maybe was the 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 difference in the loss to Ohio State, especially there with those last couple of plays. So I'm expecting Notre Dame to be focused and ready to go. Duke doesn't throw the ball really that much. 99 attempts so far for Leonard, 778 yards, 194 yards per game. They want to do everything on the ground. They'll probably be patient, but I think that works into Notre Dame's favor. If all you want to do is run the football, we can stop running the, we can stop things on the ground pretty well. And we did give up a long one to, to Ohio State, but we stopped things on the ground pretty well, and we feel good about being able to do that this weekend. I, I can't see this talented Sam Hartman-led Notre Dame team losing twice in a row. Me neither. And and also, just kind of side note, Notre Dame kind of like owns their ACC opponents. Like... Except for the except for the ACC championship game, like Notre Dame has an incredible record against the ACC opponents lately. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I give me Notre Dame. And then two, just one other thing: average yards per catch for the leading receivers: twelve point nine, twelve point one, nine point two for uh, for Duke. All right, so continuing on, one more big game to discuss this week. Number 24, Kansas at number three, Texas. This was a really fun uh, – actually, no, this was not a tight game last year. Is that correct? These yeah, Texas this was kinda, the beatdown. This, yeah, this was like, hey, you beat us at home. Now we're going to beat you like a redheaded stepchild. Like mm-hmm. we are – like they, they, they took care of business last year, and it – it was one of the most like, hey, we have athletes and you have posers. <laughs> like it, it was bad last year. Yeah, and with the way you, if you consider that Texas has improved along the offense and defensive lines, uh, they've continued to you know to roll and develop in that way. And I think you mentioned it last week that you thought, or this this past episode that you thought Texas was so much better up front. And I think you've seen that in the Texas game or in the Alabama game. If that's the case, then it sort of feels like Kansas could have a a similar outing on their hands here if they're not careful. No, absolutely. I I think I I don't think Texas can take Kansas lightly. 
because I mean I I love Kansas. I love watching uh, Jalen Daniels play. I think he is a difference maker. Um, but the way they play offense, the way Kansas is able to scheme guys open is based off of the their ability to run the ball and play action. And Texas's defensive line may be one of the best in the country, if not maybe top five in the country. And I just the, the, I'm going to take Texas here. But I'm, I'm taking Texas because, again, because they're defensive front, and I don't think that Kansas is going to be able to create that offensive trickeration, so to speak, from their play action that they love to. Jalen Daniels will probably get some good plays. Um, Neal will probably get some yards. But like the, the counters and the draws that they love to play, again, that, that create these awesome play action mesh routes – and these corner routes that they love to run, like I just don't know if they're going to be be available to them because Texas's defensive front is just going to create some havoc. Now Kansas has some dudes on the defensive line as well. They are number one in the country in havoc rate, Spencer. Mm. Um, they're not number one in 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 sacks. They're number one in havoc rate, creating chaos in the backfield for the quarterback. And and so that is something that I'm interested to see. Like, can they get to can they get to yours? Can they cause some chaos, you know, in this game? But at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm going to take Texas because of their elite defensive front, elite offensive line, and just the just the fact that Texas is a really good freaking team, and I think Kansas is really good. And and I'll, I'll kind of throw this out there: I would not be surprised if Kansas Texas isn't the matchup we see again later on in the Big Twelve in the Big Twelve championship. Wow. Yeah, I think if you wanted to go with a opportunity here for Kansas to try to win this game, it would have to be that havoc rate coming into play in a major way. That somehow or another they disrupt uh, what the uh, what Texas wants to do up front. They get after um, Quinn Ewers, sorry, and they make things difficult for him. The problem with that seems to be, though, would they be able to hold up in pass rush? You know, would, or not pass rush, but uh, pass protect, uh, pass defense. Yeah. Would they be able to, you know, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, all those guys, at some point somebody's going to come open can't, and Ewers is good enough on the ground with his legs, should be able to create space, find those open opportunities. So, Feels like Kansas is going to have to do a lot. Maybe it would be the track meet, too. But Havoc Rate would have to get involved. They'd have to have a quarter or two uh, or at least a handful of plays that are really, really important. Maybe a sack fumble that turns into a turn, uh, you know, turns into a touchdown. Something along those lines if Kansas were going to win here. But Texas just has so much firepower, they might can erase something like that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Nope. I agree. Okay. So uh, Texas is the pick there for week five. Other games that are happening for the weekend, Colorado, second week in a row at, or will be hosting, excuse me, number eight USC. The Trojans not necessarily coming in as red stinking hot as Oregon did. Uh, How do you feel about USC and Colorado? Could Colorado make this a little bit more of a matchup because the USC defense still doesn't seem to be spectacular. I, I think that, um, who is a game day game days at this game. Isn't that right? 
Yes. Um, you know, they picked this two weeks ago. They picked it before the Oregon game happened. Um, I almost feel like they wish they could get their money back um, in that regard. Um, I, I don't I don't think this game is going to be close. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, uh, Colorado will be able to will put points up. But I, I'm thinking like 40, 45, 27, something like that. Um, or, you know, you know, 47, 21, some kind of score like that. I, I still think that, um, oh, well, actually, this is something that a lot of people probably don't realize about USC, because all we think about is Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams. But in reality, the, you know what's been actually leading this USC team this year, Spencer? Is it the ground game? It is. It's a, it's yeah. a running game. Their, their running game is actually incredibly efficient. Um, that they are they're doing very well this year. Um, also, just fun filled side fact: it's it's nine. It's gonna, this game's going to be at nine a.m. E, uh, Eastern. No, nine nine a.m. Uh, West Coast time, noon Eastern. Just just so weird. Um, uh, yeah, that that's that's that body clock. You know. Um, yeah. And good thing that's on the West Coast that they're doing that. So neither team's going to be completely out of their element. But you are going to Colorado. I believe, obviously, the elevation will be different there. Uh, so hopefully they're able to get there. I would imagine USC is either there tonight or is going tomorrow. Just to have yeah. a practice or two in that elevation and let it let it get going. I had a friend of mine... Uh, one of our coaches at VSU left here and went to Air Force, coaching for the Air Force women's basketball team. And she was mentioning that it didn't take long, but it there definitely was an adjustment period on, you know, a couple of her getting up and, and going and running and doing different things that it was like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely felt it right away. Um, and she's only been – she's out of playing for a year now. So, I mean, she's still very much – you know, in, in her athletic, you know, shape or whatever. So um, I would think these players won't have a long time to adjust, but getting there tonight is probably not, wouldn't be a surprise to me if, if USC was doing that. Yeah. Also, like, they are, just to my point, like, yes, they, they're third in the nation in passing yards per game at 377 but Spencer they're 35th in the country for averaging 192 yards on the on the ground per game. Yeah. Um but he, here's here's why I just think they're going to handle Colorado. Their their offensive line play, man. Um Yeah. Colorado can't stop the run and they can't run the ball themselves. Um we don't know about their about their their other wide receiver who got hurt like a a, a Weaver who who got hurt like on the last I think he got hurt on the, like the last play of the game, um, so we against don't know, Oregon yeah against Oregon so we don't even know if he's playing or not. Um, look, Shadur Sanders is probably going to cook some like I'm I'm I could easily see them have like getting seven or fourteen points um, in the first half um, and maybe getting a touchdown two in garbage time, but I I just. It goes back to exactly what we said about Colorado before this game, after this game, and this week. This this Colorado team has a threshold of about six game, about six wins, and I'm p- perfectly happy with that. They should be happy with that. But you're going against a former Heisman winner, 
who probably is is all these players are probably tired exactly the way same way re, uh, yeah, the same way that Oregon is tired of all the trash talk. I I just I just think USC is going to come in ready to run right down their throat because that's kind of what Oregon did. So yeah, USC. Yep, USC is the pick. I think the the same thing with the ground game. Uh, Oregon did a lot of damage on the ground early. But I also agree with you about Shadur Sanders in this offense that they're going to, I would imagine the first, you know, that, that first scripted drive is going to be better for Oregon or, or, excuse me, Colorado than it was against Oregon. That this scripted first play, first drive, uh, will be a lot better, and it will. I could see it leading to a touchdown uh, pretty early. But if Shadur Sanders is starting to lose receivers left and right, then that could make all of that that much more difficult, and they could end up yep. in another spot of only scoring a few points in this game just because they're they're um, you know they're missing pieces. So I like yep. USC here uh, as well. So A uh, and M at Arkansas. Big news for A and M. No Connor Wegman, as he is out for the season. And that puts Arkansas in a pretty interesting spot here, as Texas A&M was... Maybe you give Auburn some credit for stepping up defensively. Max Johnson going out in his first game. I don't know if he's in a good position going against Arkansas's defense that just gave up so much to LSU, or if he's kind of in a oh boy I don't want to you know underestimate this and Arkansas's you know made some adjustments or whatever. So I think it'll be interesting to see what Texas A&M does offensively here. It sounds like Arkansas though Rob is maybe starting to ease into their offense that maybe they're starting to get settled and they've started to find what they like and what works because they went toe to toe with LSU last week. They really did and that and you know, you and I talked about it, man. It was just so cool to see, just because we're, you know, we're such a fan of KJ Jefferson. Um, like this, this game may be one of the hardest to pick because yeah. if you give if you give me Wegman healthy, I mean, I'm, I'm taking A and M, but I think it's going to be a battle left and right. However, with it being with with you know it being Max Johnson. You kind of have a slight downgrade in quarterback, but also like this team knows their quarterback's gone for the year. And will this defense rally behind Max Johnson? Will this offense rally behind him? Will he be able to lead them? You know, do 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 AM's players do they feel like, hey, we we can still do this? Is it coach speak or do they truly feel it? That they still have a chance this season to you know for to win the SEC to you know play in the playoff, and I, I kind of this is gonna game that I'm really gonna pay attention to Spencer you know obviously because if you, if y'all if y'all don't know this these this game for some reason um has some voodoo over it where it's always mm-hmm. just crazy mm-hmm. it's just nuts it's, something crazy always happens in this game um I like. I'm gonna, I want to hear you talk because I actually, Spencer, I don't know if I have a pick yet. Go ahead. So, I don't love Arkansas's defense. No one I should. Mentioned, yeah, which I mentioned early on. And they're giving up like eight yards per play through the air. 
and they've allowed seven passing touchdowns, 231 yards per game. Uh, but eight yards an attempt seems like a really large number. Max Johnson should be able to do enough against that defense to be able to get going. I also felt like I remember the LSU team having some success uh, on the ground. Now, that's where Arkansas is maybe doing a much better job, just 2.8 yards per carry to their opponents so far this season, uh, that maybe they can you know, keep things stifled and keep Texas A&M one-dimensional, but I'm starting to like a lot more of the receiving group for A&M. Evan Stewart was was uh, pretty so good, good, although he only had three catches against Auburn. There were three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. I ex- I expect him maybe to be a little bit more involved just from a a, a product not not a impact standpoint, but just you know more catches than just the three catches uh, in this ball game here, as maybe he capitalizes on that back group. So I'm gonna. I'm going to bet on Max Johnson. Okay. I'm going to say that Texas A&M continues to be in that we're kind of playing a little bit with our backs up against the wall. Our coach is certainly coaching that way. So give me Texas A&M here. I like them enough offensively to take advantage of Arkansas defensively. No, I think I think that's the play. I spent right, but you know it kind of goes back to what we said last week. You know, um, also like A and M's defensive backfield. You know, was that just a aberration, or are is their backfield? Uh, you know, was that aberration against uh, Miami, or are they kind of not good? And if so, like, can KJ Jefferson cook some? Mm-hmm. You know, can he get can, like? Uh, I want to pick. I want to pick Arkansas to upset. I really do. I think this is a great opportunity to. But I really, I almost all at the same time feel like Arkansas is going to be that team this year that has the opportunity to just make games close, but not actually win against these big teams. I think the the other thing that could be in Arkansas's uh, favor is they've got fourteen sacks on the season. And oh no, never mind. I'm looking, I looked at that incorrectly. Texas A&M is protecting the quarterback pretty well so yeah. far this season. They've only allowed six sacks so far this year. So I was looking at that incorrectly on the on the first notch. But either way, um, yeah, that just makes it that much more a little. You know, that makes it that much more. I'm I'm leaning on Texas A&M here. Yeah. All right, I'm down. Florida at Kentucky this weekend is another SEC matchup there in the West that or East, excuse me, that could be deciding uh, sort of the order of finish there. Kentucky and Florida have had some pretty good battles over the last few years. Florida kind of struggled with Charlotte, though. That makes you kind of a little bit weirded out. It seems like Kentucky's running the football a little bit better then maybe they have over the year, the last year or two, kind of getting back to their roots. And if a guy like Devin Leary can capitalize on that, uh, that that makes this um, 
that makes this Kentucky offense uh, really tough to stop. Spencer, I, I think you're right. I I don't you we talked about this after the Utah game. We talked about it before. Like I understand they beat Tennessee, but Tennessee may not be that good. You know? Um with that said, I'm not I'm not saying all of a sudden that Kentucky is good, uh, even though they're four and zero. The the Devin Leary experience has to come to, together eventually, right? Like it has to click. For well, and I was just gonna right? say, I was just gonna mention that as much as I've meant, I've said that if Devin Leary can take advantage of that ground game and and you know work from there, that it would make things difficult. It's not necessarily click so far, like you're suggesting. Only fifty nine percent pass completion so far, two hundred and sixty five yards a game. So that's not a bad number. But 59% pass completion, I think you're you're probably expecting a little bit better out of him, and you're certainly expecting better out of this receiving group that is young, but I think a lot of people have some, some high expectations of them coming through a little bit more than maybe they have already to start. So is this the place to, you know, this would be a nice place from a Hollywood script standpoint to to lock it in and have your best day of the season if you're Devin Leary. But um but yeah, Florida might be able to, you know, to keep that disrupted a little bit uh in this ball game as they've played solid defensively, I think for for most of the year here. Yeah. This comes down I I don't want to look at something really quick while, I'm, while we're talking about this. <sighs> Man, they haven't they haven't really looked great either. Yeah, Florida only Florida only gave up 24 points to Utah, which isn't a terrible number. Seven to McNeese, uh, which is the FCS team. 16 to Tennessee's big bad offense, and then only seven points to Charlotte. So they have been playing better defensively. Have the mm-hmm. Gators? Can they turn that into success against Devin Leary, or do, you know does he continue to struggle against them and just maybe not be as efficient? That could go a long way for the Gators. Uh, this weekend, if they're able so, to, you know, keep him off balance. So, sir, let me let me say this. Okay, H- here's Kentucky's schedule so far: Ball State, forty-four fourteen; East Kentucky, twenty-eight seventeen; Akron, thirty-five three; Vandy, forty-five twenty-eight. Spencer, they they are forty-six in the country in passing offense. They are ninety-fifth. In rush offense. 95th. Against those teams. Yeah, only averaging 131 on the ground a game. That That is... And then points for, like, they're getting points. They're averaging 38 points a game, 27th of the country. But that I, I think that might have more to do with who they're playing against. You know, and they're, they're, they're only giving up 15 points a game. Um... Here's you know what Spencer. Here's the question: Who do I trust more, Devin Leary or Graham Mertz? <laughs> and unfortunately, like I don't even have to think twice about it. I'm gonna trust. I trust Devin Leary. Devin Leary at home, uh, noon kickoff. G- give me, g- give me Kentucky to win this game. Ooh, the fact that Florida's ranked is garbage. So like that also frustrates me. So, um, but but it's just like what we talk about every year, like from. 
you know, from like 18 to 25, they're like, hey, what SEC team only has like one loss or none? Let's put them in. Um, well, and, and Florida does have the win over Tennessee, which is at least at this point, which is a ranked win. So, I mean, it is that is their one argument, I guess, but I'm not pushing too much back against that. Okay. Uh, give me the Gators here. Okay. I'm just I don't know if if Devin Leary's doing enough. Five interceptions on the season, fifty nine percent. I know you you say you trust him over Graham Mertz, and and maybe that's the play, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Florida here. Graham Mertz is is very efficient right now, if he's anything. Yeah. Okay, next on the list, South Carolina at Tennessee. Could be a lot of points in this ball game as South Carolina has really started to hit a, a nice stride offensively. I believe they outlasted, was it Mississippi State that they outlasted this past weekend? Um, what say you, Spencer Rattler, against Joe Milton, who bounced back from his poor Florida performance it seemed like uh, nicely there uh, last week for the Volunteers. I think that if we didn't have all those elite quarterbacks in the Pac-12, people would be talking more about Spencer Rattler right now. Spencer Rattler is playing incredible. He's already got 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns on the season. I I I I need Tennessee to win a game that I expect them to lose before I start picking them to win games. Um, I, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I think I I think South Carolina may actually because I think they're getting two uh, one or two of their uh, pass catchers back this week. Uh, South Carolina is. I I don't I don't trust Tennessee's quarterback. I don't trust Tennessee's wide receivers to to dominate anybody. I don't trust their defense. I trust Spencer Rattler. And if he's getting his wide receivers back, them and Leggett are are going to feast on this Tennessee defensive backfield. And I understand that the, the point spread is twelve, and that's because of Tennessee, you know, South Carolina's poor uh, offensive line. And there's no way around that. But I I just think Spencer Rattler, man, is going to beat certain teams who aren't elite. And I think Tennessee is one of these teams that are not elite. That I think he, I think he, he's going to play really well um, as he's continued to do this year. So give me South Carolina with the upset over Tennessee. So Tennessee's been rushing the passer pretty good. They've been playing good on on the de- on the defensive line. Sixteen sacks so far on the year. That's four per game, and uh, about thirty nine tackles for loss. So that's almost ten tackles for loss per game. Uh, through uh, four contests. So I think they're playing really good up front, uh, at least so far up to this point. If they can generate some more success on the ground against uh, against South Carolina, does that play into their hand and uh, keep them, you know, keep Spencer Rattler off balance the way I think the other teams that have beaten them have been able to get those wins by slowing down Rattler uh, another testament to how good he's been this season. So the other interesting thing is has, has a lot to do with the fact that Joe Milton, as as maybe he's not been spectacular, and we've been very noted on that, but he's not turning the ball over either. Only one interception through four games so far for Spencer Rat or uh, for Joe Milton. So he's at least taking care of the football. 
the key here will have to be, I think, if Tennessee can get the ground game going. Um, can they really lean on 229 yards per game on the ground? 6.2 yards a carry. Can they get that going? Um, that'll be a big piece of this ball game this weekend for um, for Tennessee. I'm going to say Tennessee does get it going on the ground. Joe Milton works favorably off of that. The pass rush gets after Spencer Rattler, and um, the Tennessee Volunteers come through with their first kind of uh, real big fancy win of the season. All right. Alabama at Mississippi State. The um, I imagine Mississippi State will allow for uh, their quarterback to to throw the football in this game after last week's success against South Carolina. How do you feel about Mississippi State and Alabama this weekend? Bluntly, I'm not picking Mississippi State to win anything until I see them allow their really good quarterback to throw the ball in games that freaking that in games that they should in in games where you can expose a team they could have done that to LSU and they didn't they did they did it this past week against South Carolina and they almost won i i or did they win no they lost um i i just th- this game is it at bama too uh at mississippi state at mississippi state Man, watch. This is going to be like an ugly game. Don't, don't you get that vibe? Like this is just going to be an, this is going to be one of those ugly games. Yes, most like, likely I, because I, I think Alabama kind of needs things to be ugly a little bit. I think Bama wins, but I I think Mississippi State is going to muck the waters up a little bit and make it difficult. I still don't trust Jalen Milrow but they're not playing a team that I think can expose anything um, really uh, for them. But just, I I think this will be one of those games. I mean, who knows the second half against Ole Miss could have been the, the triggering effect for Alabama where now all of a sudden it all clicks and they just start rolling through folks by just bully balling them. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case yet, but to cover my butt, I'm just going to go with Bama. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Alabama here uh, as well. I think another game with Jalen Milrow, maybe things start to to settle in a little bit. They've hit some explosive plays through the air. Maybe that goes a long way for them. They start to get that ground game going the way they want to, and defensively, they've been they've been solid. So, um, I like Alabama here as well. Last game, number one team in the country uh, is traveling over to Auburn for one of the oldest rivalries in the South, the oldest rivalry in In the the South, South. South. uh, Georgia and Auburn. Uh, How do you like this ball game? Does Auburn have a chance? Can they capitalize on the dogs' sort of slow starts to the season? Have the dogs gotten over those with how they started against UAB? Um, I, th- this game, this game doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I think it, like it's 14 and a half. It started at 17 and a half and it's been, it's been bet, bet down to 14 and a half now. Um, 
Georgia has elite talent across the board on both sides of the ball. Auburn can't do anything on offense but run the ball. Um, their quarterback is not very – their quarterbacks aren't good. In the past, Georgia loses the teams that are not one-dimensional but that um, can do both, but while also having a dynamic quarterback who can punish them um, – you know, p- punish their defensive backfield at times. Um, but at the same time, Auburn's defense is is really good. Like I, I will give credit to that. Their 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 defense is is really good. Um, their offense just is so bad that it it just puts them in a really bad spot. Um, I the reason why I'm just hesitant about this is because like some like the college football nerds. There, I don't know if you saw this yet. But their uh, their thing actually, or their um, model actually has Auburn winning, has Auburn beating Georgia, um, and they they broke it down a little bit um, of why and some of the numbers. And now they didn't that them themselves did not pick it. They're just they're just looking at their model and what their model said. Um, here's the thing: I think Georgia a lot of the a lot of their stats that are against Georgia come from the fourth quarter whenever they've been rotating, as far as defensively, they've been rotating guys left and right just to get playing time because there are so many injuries. This week it's fully expected that Javon Bullard will be back. Um, we will. There's a possibility Ladd McConkie will be able to show back up on the field this weekend as well. Uh, Spencer, I, I'm just – I'm not overthinking this. Kirby has lost once, one time to Auburn, and that was 2017. Uh, with an elite team that Auburn had at Auburn. They're playing at Auburn again at 3.30. This is not an elite team. They don't even have an elite coach, in my opinion. They don't have an elite quarterback. They don't have elite wide receivers. They don't have an elite offensive line. They have some, They have a couple of really good running backs. I, I, again, I'm just not going to overthink this. I know it's uh, Carson Beck's first uh, first away game. I just trust Kirby and that staff to get them ready for this. And I, I think Georgia wins, and I think Georgia kind of covers. I, I think I don't I don't really think this game is going to be close. Yeah, I like uh, Georgia here as well. I think obviously this would be the place if Auburn were to get into this ball game and win it, then they would have to have some great success early on, and Carson Beck would just have to run into all sorts of trouble on the road. And and some of that could be the fact that Auburn provides some of that trouble that they cause and create that. But I don't really see an overwhelming reason why that's going to be the case. I think Georgia will be able to to pressure the the passer, uh, probably create some short fields and you know some turnovers and such early on. And yeah, I just I don't see this being. Uh, if, even if it has to be a second-half runaway, I expect it to be a second-half runaway. I, it will be interesting to see if Beck, who threw the ball quite a bit in the first half, I think 26 pass attempts this past game against uh, UAB, he threw it 26 times in the first half. I think they may have to lean on him to throw the football more like that. Uh, I'm expecting Auburn maybe to slow down the ground game, and Beck's going to have to step up here. and. um with that freak of nature, Brock Bowers in his receiving <laughs> core, yep. uh, he should be fine. Yep. Feed have it. you 
Have you watched? I know you have, and this is, I'm just a- asking the question this way. But Brock Bowers on those little flare outs where they throw it to him, and then he turns and starts running. It's mm-hmm. almost like you hope somebody comes and hits him just to watch him run with somebody on his back <laughs> because he does it every that first guy, that poor first individual that has to come and try to tackle him. It's just. It's almost like you get an A for effort, and that A is Brock's going to pick you up and carry you a few yards so you don't have to run on this football field for a few minutes. Yeah, it's like, oh, buddy, you tried. <laughs> yeah, come here. Let me pick you up. Let me let me walk you from here to there real quick. Cause, uh, I, I, I just <laughs> think, I, I'll, just, I'll just say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I just think it's going to take so many bad things. It's not just one. It would take so many bad things to happen for Georgia to lose this game. And I just don't think I, I don't think this is that Georgia team anymore. So yeah, it's not that program anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's just not. I, I, I don't I don't I don't see Georgia losing games like this. I see Georgia losing losing games like in the SEC championship, you right. know? Or the um, semifinal game, or or, yeah. or the semi or the semifinal game. I, I I I could be completely wrong. I mean, college football. I, let Let's see how things look come November when Georgia's going going to Tennessee, right? Um, we'll see how things look then because I could we could be completely wrong about Tennessee, yeah. but just with this Auburn team, I mean, looking again, forty nine or fifty nine fourteen against Mass, uh, UMass, fourteen to ten against Cal. 45-13 against Samford and then losing 27 to 10 against AM, who lost their starting quarterback in the game. I just I I I don't know why there's there's people alluding to Georgia possibly losing, but we'll see. Uh Utah at Oregon is on Friday, by the way. Uh Cincinnati BYU is also on Friday. Ooh, let, oh, Cincinnati BYU. Let's go. Louisville, NC State, man. 4-0 Louisville. Yep. Are you, are and you that's on Friday your, night. Are you ready to talk to your kids about an undefeated Louisville? <laughs> uh, you might have to. Uh, Clemson and Syracuse at twelve o'clock on Saturday. That's an undefeated Syracuse football team. Please, Syracuse, could please Syracuse beat them? Please, they're only Clemson is only a six and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm sorry, Virginia and Boston College this weekend. Could Virginia Ugh. first uh, get their first win? Of the year, uh, what else was here that I wanted to mention? Pitt and Virginia oh, Tech. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready for the most disgusting stat ever? And yes. goes back to what we talked about with Iowa's offense. Yes, Spencer. Do you know how many receptions the mm-hmm. Iowa wide receivers have? Mm, I bet nobody has more than ten. No, no, no. Total as a collective group. Iowa's wide receivers only have 14 catches on the year. 14. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And those are the wide receivers. Yes. So the, that would exclude. So he's throwing plenty to the running backs and the tight ends then, I guess. It's check down city, baby. Wow. How how bad wow. is that, Spencer? It's, I mean, I don't. Here, here I've, got, I've got it broken down here, too. It's Please. four reception, or here's four receptions to one wide receiver, six to another, uh, four to one, and that's it. <laughs> Jeez, dude, that, that's they're painful. 
that the the room the room of offenses. What I said. It's very painful. All right, right, Rob, I'm all finished here as well. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, One, two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later.